Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 62 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, PT, we're just recording a wee bit early because, you know, there is a PLE this week, a pay-per-view, and we have to, um, you know... We have to talk about it. That, that, that's the crack. I'm looking forward to watching some of these matches, and I'm looking forward to skipping some of these matches. Oh, certainly. We have a big old pay-per-view, PLE, however you like to call it, but a big old chew. Coming up this particular weekend, SummerSlam, arguably at WWE's second most biggest show of their calendar year and their pay-per-view season. Uh, we're going to unpack and look into the build and some of what's going on on the show. Like you mentioned, quite interesting. Some things we might be looking forward to, some things we have zero interest in. So should be a little bit of a hodgepodge of what's going on, but certainly WWE will sell you on the fact that it is a big show regardless of how most of the fans or us feel. Oh, 100%. They will let us know that this is going to be the blowout of the absolute century. And, uh, we're, you know, I, I, I don't believe them at all. What's the, in the past, I know that SummerSlam had the tagline, the biggest party of the summer. Are they banging that into the ground? I don't think so this year, right? Not this year, no. It's, 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 in, Destro- in, it's in Detroit, right? They're, they're very much, I think some of their, their signage and stuff has a lot of muscle cars and things like that in it. Saw some people complain it doesn't feel like SummerSlam. It just kind of looks like, you know, a generalized PLE. Um, especially like certainly with some of the the sort of signage that they've got, it almost feels like fast lane, like they've used the fast lane sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, they're not they're not throwing it out to be a a big summer blowout. Yoo hoo. Yeah, for those that aren't aware. They're going with sort of a car-themed, like Joker mentioned, a muscle car sort of thing of that nature. Detroit has been known in the past as the Motor City. It's a lot of where the car manufacturing in the United States happened 20, 30, 40 years ago when it was kind of big. So it was known for, you know, muscle cars, Detroit, kind of the, like I said, the Motor City, a lot of kind of car uh, nomenclature and things of such. So... That is one of the deals, and it being Detroit, I mean, you know, it's it's a bigger city in the U.S. It's not one of the biggest, but that notion of it maybe doesn't feel like a big deal. I know when SummerSlam in the past, they were running the Barclays in Brooklyn and or New York mm-hmm. for like three or four years. They'd have like the big weekend, you know, you heard a lot of events surrounding the weekend itself with appearances and and this that and a third and the stores and they made a big deal i don't know if i felt the same kind of advertisement or vibage coming from this one so i mean no, i don't I'd know ag- i'd agree with that really because like yeah they, they they mentioned before in previous years like the barclay center and you know always harping on about it and then they would show us you know interviews and stuff with uh with some of the stars in fact if i remember rightly Tommy Ciampa um, decided that he wanted to cut one heck of a promo at a SummerSlam at the Barclay Center 
um, with The Miz uh, like a, maybe a year or two ago. And it was super good. And that's one of the, the things that I remember about them advertising the show. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was definitely... Uh, it, this one has definitely lived down to expectations, I suppose. One of my favorite quotes there. Gotta love that statement. But regardless, we have the big show coming up in a couple days upon release. If you're listening to it day one, you got a couple days here. The purpose of this show is just to give you a little bit of insight, a quick recap, so you can pregame for it and just be on the same page and kind of know where we're at, why these matches are taking place. So appreciate you listening. We're looking forward to some matches, perhaps may not be looking to some matches, others, but we'll get into the show and get you situated properly. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabe council and in audio form wherever you get your podcast from. On this week's episode, we look at the build to WWE SummerSlam. So coming up first. build to WWE SummerSlam, like we had mentioned in the opening segment, taking place in Detroit this year, the Motor City, lots of car and just big old Americana type nomenclature as well as signage and feels. Although, like we said, it doesn't maybe feel like it's being advertised as a huge kind of weekend or so of sorts. If you are going to be listening and or watching this and you're attending SummerSlam in the Detroit metropolitan area, feel free to let us know if you saw or went to any of the activities in the weekend or if you went to the show. Definitely feel free to comment down below of what's going on. But as we'll get into the show here, at the time of recording, we have eight matches scheduled and we'll get into those. WWE, you love to see it. Seven main events on the card for this year's SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I'm only being facetious. Uh, not seven main events. Although WWE is actually advertising four main events for SummerSlam this year. Gotta give a little shout out to the Good Brothers from OSW Review. Triple main event or four main events, aka no main event. No main event. Yeah. Like what what is the idea behind having so many of these? We already I already gave out about having two main events because whenever you have more than one, it's not special. It's not the main attraction. That's what the whole thing means. You go to see the main event, there's only one of them. The three of these things are not like the last one. In fact, I would I would go so far as to say maybe all four of these don't deserve to be main event because none of them scream main event to me, except for one guy calls himself main event Jey Uso. Legitimately, what is the point in four? Count them: one, two, three, four main events. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous, PT. What is the point? Although I was actually being half joking when I said seven main events. Yeah, but actually they're, like we said, seriously harking on four main events and those matches we'll get into in a bit. But yeah, it's one of those weird things. Just obviously you would think that the, the 
match that goes on last is the main event, but it's one of those where it makes me think of the old CM Punk, the Vince, what he said to him at WrestleMania. You're wrestling The Undertaker all those years back. That's one of the main events. It's one of the biggest matches on the card. Yeah, Vince, but I'm not going on last. I'm not the main event. Oh, don't worry about it. We've we've got, you know, three, four, or five, or six main events. No, it's the last match on the card is the main event. Come on now. I am legitimately looking forward to my main event, which is the SummerSlam Battle Royale, sponsored by Slim Jim, because that is now the de facto main event, because they can't decide which one of their four terribly booked uh, final series matches they want to be the actual main event. That's a fantastic transition. So we'll get into the first match here, which of course Joker alluded to, the SummerSlam Battle Royale presented by Slim Jim. How did we get here? On the July 28 episode of SmackDown, it was announced that a SummerSlam Battle Royal would take place at the event and would feature male superstars from both Raw and SmackDown. After an argument between Sheamus and L.A. Knight, WWE official Adam Pearce named the two as the first entrance. On the July 31 episode of Monday Night Raw, Tommaso Ciampa, Shinsuke Nakamura, Otis, and Chad Gable were added to the match. At the time of recording, no prize is on the line for winning the Battle Royale. Joker, is this even something you were interested in? Even slightly. Yeah, because LA Knight's in it. LA Knight is in this match, which is why it is the de facto main event. This is, considering the amount of people in this in this match, the time of recording, we have six individuals that you listed there in this match. It is the Wednesday before the Saturday of the PLE pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. How many people are supposed to be in this battle royal? And, you know, like you mentioned, what is supposed to be the prize? Normally, whenever they have these battle royals, it's for, you know, maybe contendership for a title, like the, you know, the US title of the Intercontinental, or for if they're in the, you know, the greatest battle royale uh, in Saudi, then you've got the, um, the, the big green belt that Braun Strowman's never been beaten for. Or, you know, the most famous one, the, uh, the, the Royal Rumble, which, you know, the winner gets an, an opportunity to take on the, uh, the champion of their choosing at WrestleMania. But this is SummerSlam, and it's sponsored by Slim Jim. So I wonder if the, um, you know, if the winner just gets a lifetime supply of Slim Jims. I don't know. Or they... Maybe that's the prize. I'm not going to lie. If... I got a whole bunch of Slim Jims. I would, you know, maybe have like maybe one a day, maybe one every two days if I got a lifetime supply. But regardless, it's one of those weird things where I have a sneaky suspicion that obviously they're harking on SummerSlam Battle Royale sponsored by Slim Jim. So obviously the company itself paid some money to get some sort of sponsorship, things of that nature. So. How do we shoehorn in to appease the sponsors? Let's just have a little old battle royale. It's one of those deals where obviously we only have six people announced. We don't have an idea of how many people are going to be in it, etc. It's definitely a nod to kind of get the 
sponsor on the show have a match here. If I would surmise, it would probably be about 20 or so guys, 20 maybe, 20 to 25. We already have six people announced. We have a lot of the upper mid card to main event guys and gals already, but specifically this is a men's battle royale already scheduled on the show. So if we had 20 or so guys, maybe 14 or 15 additional guys announced, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I could see this go in the guts of maybe about eight to ten minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's weird. It's one of those, it feels like it's just a shoehorned in because we got a sponsor. Of course, sponsor deals are no stranger to WWE. This one, we're having a Slim Jim Battle Royale, much in the vein of a Mountain Dew Pitch Black match that we featured on the Royal Rumble. It appears as though LA Knight can't seem to get away from gimmicks in some form or another. I mean, he's the king of gimmicks, man. This guy has done so many advertisements for insurance companies and other stuff that, you know, a lot of he's been a plant. You know, there was the, the a couple of weeks ago where everybody was remembering all of the plant work that he's done. I'm meaning here the fact that, you know, he's been put into the crowds, inserted as a fan or security and what have you. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to have this maybe by 20 minutes. Don't forget, there is a Ronda Rousey match on this card, which can have time cut from it, um, which is just the moniker for Ronda Rousey matches. In fact, we've already made enough room for 20 minutes by cutting the Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus match. So there we go. We've built up extra time. You know, long gone are the days where we need women on pay-per-views. We don't need them anymore. Maybe last week we, you know, we were singing the praises. Maybe we're the curse, PT. You know, the the women's matches. Uh, we were singing the praises of all this stuff, and then a women's match gets cut. But um, we've got plenty of time for these boys uh, to do the the SummerSlam Battle Royale. I actually kind of think that we may see the return of Bobby Lashers here with uh, some street profit action, uh, because you know they have been linked together. I'd like to see some of that. Uh, we could see Ashante, the Adonis, and Top Dollar. Um, the, the only thing is, everybody would have to help Top Dollar get over that top rope still. Um, I'm not sure he has figured that out yet. And I feel like the fact that we've got Otis and Chad Gable there means that we're going to see the Vikings in there too. So, um, Eric and Ivar. So, um, it's just one of those things that there, there are plenty of people to throw in. Um, I definitely think that it's probably going to come down to the likes of an LA Knight, Sheamus, uh, a Bobby Lashers if he gets in there. Um, you know, have have a little bit of have a little bit of bounce for about 20 minutes. Uh, but I probably I don't I don't know. I I really need to see what the reason for being this battle royale has. And I hope SmackDown gives it to us. The shoot reason is because Slim Jim gave them money. The kayfabe reason is because it's the prestigious historical SummerSlam Battle Royale. First time only, yeah. yeah. Sponsored yeah, by the Slim history. Jim. Yeah, the history of this. Yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be one of those things. Uh, half the show is going to be recaps and video packages anyway and throwing to sponsors. So, yeah, we'll see kind of this go. I just, just give LA Knight the win, be done with it, and it's fine, brother. So. I'd be happy with that. 
All right, so quite interesting matchup here. Uh, let us know who you think is going to win this matchup, the SummerSlam Battle Royale, sponsored by Slim Jim. Next matchup we're going to look at here, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler going to be combating in an MMA rules match. At Money in the Bank, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler lost the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship after Baszler turned on Rousey. The following episode of Raw, Rousey called out Baszler, who said that she was responsible for bringing Rousey into WWE, and while she had to work her way through the WWE system beginning in NXT, Rousey skipped the process and had her debut match at WrestleMania 34. Baszler then said that she was the only one who could finally shut Ronda up, and they brawled with each other. They once again brawled the next week, July 10, and on the July 17 episode of Raw, Baszler challenged Rousey to come to the ring. However, Ronda declined and said that she would fight Shayna at SummerSlam. The following week, both agreed to fight at SummerSlam, which was later confirmed. On the final Raw before SummerSlam, July 31st, it was announced that the match would be a mixed martial arts rules match. The Joker, thoughts on the build or the matchup itself? I mean, this, this definitely wins a prize for um, possibly the worst timed build ever for a match uh, in terms of we knew it was coming, delays happened, and unfortunately, Ronda's contract is now up, so they had to accelerate a little bit. Or sorry, not now up, but coming up. And, uh, you know, so they, they had to get that little heel turn out of Shayna Baszler, which quickly turned into a face turn because everybody agreed with her. And uh, it was just one of those things that uh, I don't think Ronda was ever going to be the face in this match. Um, and I am a huge fan of Shayna Baszler. I love her. I think, you know, that she is an absolutely fantastic in-ring specimen. I have lauded her praises. I've just lauded her for a long time since actual whenever I was watching Black and Gold NXT. Loved her then, loved her right through, and always felt like she was one of these individuals who's just been overlooked and underutilized. Um, I love the fact that she's a Warhammer nerd, and I love the fact that I watch her YouTube channel where she constantly just bullies Dakota Kai and teaches people how to do MMA chokeholds and, and things like this here. Uh, she's fantastic, and um, I think that the WWE are finally giving her the, the the proper time that she deserves, and that is thanks to Ronda Rousey, who yes came in and was like, uh, "Hey, I'm Ronda Rousey, and I deserve all your praise." Um, so at least uh, now uh, Ronda is using her her pull within the company to do something really good for Shayna, who deserves it. And this is the style of match that I wanted for these two, that I've joked that these that these two should do for ages. Like, I think that Shayna should, you know, they, they, they should bring the fight pit in for the ladies, and, you know, Shayna should just dominate that style of match. Um, and having two former MMA fighters, uh, I mean, this was a no-brainer, really. Uh, I want to see how MMA they'll go. Obviously, within the confines of the Fed, we're uh, going to be wanting to uh, make sure that nobody breaks a 
bone. I don't think we're going to be seeing broken noses and bloodied faces like we would in the UFC. Um, but um, I'm I'm actually excited the most for this match. Yeah, there's a couple things going on in terms of the Shayna and Ronda matchup. Like we had talked about, and we had aspersions of it a little backstage, Scott. We've discussed in a previous episode that the plan was to have them have the championship earlier in the year and then do the turn, have the build, and then go to the match. Unfortunately, with Ronda being injured earlier in the year, they had to really escalate the pace at which it was going. So a little bit of a shorter build in terms of the the turn on Ronda Rousey by Shayna and into the challenging back and forth or so. So regardless of kind of what's going on, it's one of those that likewise that I am also a fan of Shayna and it was one of those where it was presented that Shayna turned on Ronda but because like we discussed before the way the Ronda Rousey character is presented or just felt by the fans it was one of those when Baszler cut that promo and you and I discussed it in that episode as well it's like man this is like a really good babyface promo from Shayna, even though it was not meant to be a babyface promo from Shayna. Yeah, it was hilarious. I loved every second of it. Everybody was just on her side and like, okay, yeah, I can feel it. And the promo package where the sit down where they're cutting to Rhonda and Shayna separately, I really did a phenomenal job Shayna did in that promo package as well and the build up. And you really feel a little bit of emotion there. and. You know, I think the one of the lines that said at home is after her husband and Ronda Rousey's mother, Shayna, was the next to hold Ronda Rousey's child. And with Shayna being the godmother, going to have to explain why she beat up her mom. And it's crazy. Like, you could feel the emotion behind it and everything of such. So definitely quite intriguing for sure. And the fact, like you had also mentioned, that this is a different style of match. It's meant to try to highlight and use the experience of both women, Ronda and Shayna, being MMA fighters in their past. It's something we discussed before the match was made official, like you said, that we would love to see Ronda and Shayna fight in a fight pit match. I felt like that would have probably been a really strong setting for them. Of course, the fight pit last seen in October at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, uh, which pit Matt and Brittle against uh, Seth Rollins. But even though they're using the nomenclature of an MMA rules match, as not much has been shared about the actual rule set. I had to imagine what an MMA rules match in WWE could look like. Makes me think of a match that ends in a submission slash surrender, maybe a technical knockout, maybe a referee stoppage, something along those lines. I don't necessarily think we're going to have timed rounds, but although that could be interesting, I think if we make little subtle changes, it'll help it stand apart and highlight, oh, this is a little bit different on uh, a big card, for example, on a big show. So either way, I don't think they're going to take the ropes down type of deal, you know, um, know, unless they have like sort of a little stage like the old um, Lion's Den used to do where they were separate from the ring type of deal. But either way, because it's different and these ladies' background, I think it's going to make for an interesting match regardless. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Um, I joked earlier on that there's a Ronda Rousey match on this card, so you can take time away from that. I really hope they give these uh, ladies more than enough time um, to do what they need to do. I, I agree. I think there'll be no pinfall. It'll be submission-only TKO, whatever they're going to kind of stipulate as a TKO. It will be submission, um, considering we have you know Ronda Rousey uh, who is just an absolute fiend with the arm bar and the submission magician, as she is dubbed, uh, Shayna Baszler. Um, I feel like that's that, that's like the only outcome for this. Uh, I hope they do maybe change the ring uh, slightly, a little bit, um, for this, so that there are there you know, obviously no count outs, um, no uh, no weapons or anything like this here. Um, and it is confined to the ring. I'd really like that, but again, very little shared. See what uh, see what happens, but definitely for this match, I want to stick to my guns. And outside of knowing uh, the contract status of uh, of Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler is my hundred percent pick to win this. Last thing I'll mention here, and this is me just being hopeful and some things I'd like to see. I don't know if they're going to put any kind of chicken wire fence around a thing, you know, if they take the ropes down or whatever. Change the presentation a little bit. Have them come out in fight gear. Let's go barefoot. Let's put trunks on. You know, let's put the the gloves on, mouth guards. Do a little something different. How about we get a special referee? You know, I don't know if a Herb Dean or somebody like that, but like, Lord knows, I mean, it'd be really freaking sweet to see like a Ken Shamrock or a Dan Severn or just something cool like maybe a Daniel Cormier. Who knows? I was about to say Daniel Cormier is probably the the big pick because you know he was brought in for uh for a match before and the links to Endeavor and stuff. They probably do have their pick. That'll be good. We have seen uh, Ronda come out in her gi before. Um, not so much for Shayna, but um, yeah, hundred percent, definitely get the gloves, the the barefoot, if, if you know. But that that's all down to what they're disputing is MMA rules, um, the the uh, the uh, the the proof is in the pudding as well, more so for this for this rule set more than the match. I think these two can have a really fantastic match. It's the rule set that's going to uh, you know make or break it for me. Let's have a little bit pre- different presentation, make it a big deal, and I'm in agreement that if it is indeed a Shayna win, let's capitalize on that. Let's make it big presentation-wise, capitalize on the win, let's push her. If that is indeed the aspersions to Ronda taking some time away and or having an, ex- an expiring contract is indeed. All right, the next matchup here we're going to look at. Gunther takes on Drew McIntyre for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. On night two of WrestleMania 39, Gunther successfully defended the Intercontinental Championship in a triple threat match against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, who got pinned. Following this, McIntyre went on hiatus for the next three months after Gunther successfully defended his championship at Money in the Bank. McIntyre made a surprise return and brawled with Gunther, making his intentions clear he wanted the title. McIntyre continued to feud with Imperium, Gunther Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci, over the next few weeks, including defeating Kaiser and Vinci in a tag team match on the July 10 episode of Raw where he teamed with Matt Riddle. 
On the next episode of Raw, July 17, after Gunther's match, he called out McIntyre with a face-to-face -face between the two being scheduled for the next episode, July 24. There, McIntyre challenged Gunther to a match for his championship that night. However, Gunther declined, but said that he would defend it against McIntyre at SummerSlam, which was made official. Joker, your impressions or thoughts on this match? Yeah, it, I mean, meh. It's, it's just kind of fair to Midland. Like, Drew was out on hiatus, like you said, for three months. Contract disputes, possibly. There was no confirmation of that. Um, I think it was obviously him being disgruntled and stuff uh, with how he was being booked. Again, nothing confirmed there. And then he comes back, obviously, in the UK at Money in the Bank. Wow, cool. Nobody saw that coming big through. Um, so, of course, I feel like the last person to pin him, uh, he would have to go after that guy, uh, which is a smart move. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the, the sort of punchy... Uh, grittiness that this match needs like there was beforehand because I felt like there was a lot more animosity between all three individuals Seamus Drew and Gunther and it didn't feel like there was enough just between Seamus and Gunther or Drew and Gunther. I feel like the the dual relationship here um, with friend and enemy uh, between Seamus and, and, and Drew really hammered that home. So I don't really feel this match. Uh, it'll be hard-hitting, 100%. It'll be, you know, big, uh, big slaps, big claymores, you know. Absolutely, Drew's not walking out there to see him. Um, and... Gunther is at last check. It's changed now, and I can't remember when I did check, but he's like 40, 50 days away from beating uh, beating Honky Tonk Man, and that has been my wish the entire time that Gunther has held this title. So I don't, I don't even see a threat here from Drew, to be perfectly honest, PT. It, it just feels like this is going to be an interference win for Gunther as we start to then tail off his record-setting uh, WWE Intercontinental Championship reign. Those are fair observations. It's one of those where I think the match itself is people are looking forward to regardless of the build, and those are okay, and those are fair observations you made. The last time we saw Drew was at the Mania and the Triple Threat. Obviously, both are really intense individuals. With Drew taking some time away, whether it was for varying degrees that have not been confirmed, it doesn't really matter at this point. But Gunther's been chugging along and facing challengers and gaining days, unlike other champions that are in WWE. And here, obviously, we're going to have Gunther just, like you mentioned, just going for broke. Drew's another intense individual we saw it more recently with Shamo a couple months back where they're just super intense, so a little bit of the heat there. And it's fair. Like he's just had that time away, came back at Money in the Bank. He's been off and on 
Raw hasn't been the build. It's been a lot of Gunther being there mostly week to week and making aspersions to Drew when he's been away. I pulled a little bit of information. It's been reported that because the feud's been a little bit of hot and cold in terms of McIntyre, he's been away from television since he was in Hungary filming The Killer's Game with former WWE superstar Dave Batista and rapper Ice Cube. So it's been really good for Drew to stretch his legs and get opportunities, but in terms of the build, him being away maybe every other week has been, I don't know, it's been lackluster in terms of just how we getting momentum into this match. Putting that aside, like I opened with my point, the match itself is kind of sells itself, and the build was lackluster, but to be fair, I am just going to watch this with bated breath for chops, for big hits, much like you said. This is just going to be insanity, and I'm here for it. I agree. It is one of the reasons why I love a good Gunther match. Drew is one of those guys that can uh, dish it out as well as take it. So, yeah, it'll be heavy hitting. Be fine. All right. So, the build might have been lackluster, but the match is definitely one to look forward to. Your aspersions to, at this point, Gunther being maybe about 40 or so days from breaking Honky Tonk's record may have sealed its fate in terms of who may be winning, but we feel like. Probably Gunther's going to come away with this one. Let us know what your thoughts are on who might come out with the victory and who's walking out of SummerSlam with the championship. Next matchup we're going to look at here, Ricochet versus Logan Paul. At the Royal Rumble in January, Logan Paul and Ricochet were participants in the Men's Royal Rumble match. During said match, both were involved in a high spot in which they performed simultaneous springboard clotheslines at each other from opposite sides of the ring and collided in midair, which went viral across social media. After several months, problems between the two resumed after Paul was added to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match without qualifying like the other participants, including Ricochet. During the match, the two would come to blows again, where Ricochet performed a springboard Spanish fly on Paul through two tables outside the ring, taking both of the competitors out for the remainder of the match. Later, backstage, Paul attacked Ricochet for costing him a title opportunity. Ricochet then invited Paul to meet him face-to-face -face on the July 10 episode of Raw, where he challenged Paul to a match but Logan declined. Logan once again accepted Ricochet's invitation to meet him on the July 24 episode of Raw, where Paul attacked Ricochet from behind and then accepted his challenge to a match at SummerSlam. Joker, your impressions or thoughts on the match between Ricochet and Logan Paul? Um, I mean, it has a better build than some matches on this card. Um, there is an awful lot of animosity between these two, and I like it. I'm here for it. Uh, Logan Paul is a specimen, whether or not you want to admit that he is really, really good for business, um, is down to yourself. He is a social media star, and that is what WWE want. They want eyes from other places coming onto their product, and Logan Paul is one of the individuals to do it, for better or worse. The WWE fan base treat him like they should, 
he is an outsider coming in and he is the Ronda Rousey of this match. People hate him. People don't like him and, and I do not I do not disagree. I hate the man. I I hate the character, the Logan Paul character. Yes, he is probably exactly like the Logan Paul person, but um, you know, the Logan Paul character in WWE is universally hated and I agree with it. Uh Ricochet, you know, being one of these individuals who can do all of these spots, uh with anyone like the the collision in midair at the rumble the spanish fly off the ladder onto the rope in through the table which um logan paul actually on his podcast impulsive was mentioning and said that he didn't feel comfortable and this was also probably added in to the the whole issue with ricochet he didn't feel comfortable taking the spot but ricochet just sent it so he went with it and he just took that bump. And that was, you know, he, he said on his podcast that he was scared. And I was like, I, I don't blame you, dude. That looked like a scary spot to go from the ladder to the rope, to the tables on the outside. So, I mean, it was a little bit nuts. But, I mean, he did it. You know, he got the balance. He took the Spanish fly. There's a lot of people on the roster in terms of wrestlers that probably couldn't do that. And that's not a, a slight at anybody. It's just the fact that they can't do the things that Logan Paul and Ricochet can do. But that's because they're built different. And that's because everybody on the roster is built different. Now, I love the uh, the little selfie cams that uh, Logan Paul brings to his matches and the rings and uh, and all this here because they make for good views for social media. I love the the whole... Uh, frog splash onto KSI at Mania whenever he was in the uh, in the prime suit, and you got to see from uh, Logan Paul's kind of perspective. Um, I love that stuff. That's that's fantastic. That's something you only get to see in Logan Paul matches. So I, I'm hundred percent guaranteeing that we're going to get to see some showboating. I'm going to take a big selfie. Uh, and I'm going to do a big spot, and Ricochet's just going to turn it around and absolutely murk him. Uh, so I feel like this will be this will be the flippy dippy stuff, um, to turn a phrase. Um, but it will be high high action, high octane, an awful lot faster than the previous match, the Gunther versus Drew. I feel like it'll be slow, methodical, heavy hitting. This one will be the complete opposite, and it will be uh so fast that if you blink, you'll miss an awful lot of it. And for that reason, I don't think it'll go very long. The fair play. This is definitely a smart business decision on WWE's behalf in terms of trying to get more eyes on their product. Logan Paul is has a following on social media. I one that I'm not too familiar with him or in terms of his content or things of such. I really know him or am on his radar because of the whole Japanese uh, video that he tried to make in 2018. That's really the only thing I know him for that uh, wasn't taken well with good taste. Let's just say that. But moving forward, you can take nothing away from his athleticism and the guy's been putting in work and has had strong performances in limited matchups and limited situations. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, fast-paced match, like you said. It's going to be interesting for sure. Ricochet is a veteran who can carry Logan to a good match. 
Uh, it's going to help him through that. I recall Logan saying that they training him a bit different. Perhaps it was a Shawn Michaels maybe even saying that. Having Paul learn and just rehearse certain spots and certain things that are going to happen in the match rather than going from like the ground ups with specifics. Obviously the fundamentals like learning and knowing how to bump, I'm sure he's taught. That's going to be something that you need to know. But yeah, it's going to be one of those things where I think It'll be good for WWE to have this guy, regardless of how you feel about him personally or his character, certainly feels more comfortable being the heel and is playing up to that very much in the character role and the WWE universe and the fans are definitely uh, feeling that and reacting to that. So he's been definitely a good thing to keep him heel rather than try him to be a baby face because the weird almost incestuous nature of the wrestling world is we don't like the outsiders we like to keep it within our family type of thing so you have to do a lot of work and be well go above and beyond to be taken in by the wrestling world and the wrestling crowd and things of such regardless of those things yeah i think it'll be good for wwe to have this person there ricochet is going to be spotlighted but yeah, I think it's it'll be a fun match. I don't think it's going to go long like you mentioned. Yeah, and just Ricochet should come out with the wind here to uh, to overcome the bad guy. I feel like Logan could still win it, though. I feel like they, they could pull the rug from under it and just go, Logan Paul's going to win this, and they're gonna, they might even run it back. Um, depending on the kind of the kind of eyes they get on this, I want Ricochet to win hundred percent. But I feel like Logan Paul could also win this. Um, and it's just one of those things that, because uh, Ricochet is one of the guys that uh, have been hindered by WWE in the past with regards to his Intercontinental Title run, with regards to just pushes going and then stopping. Um, that's the only reason I have any doubt um, against Ricochet winning and the fact that Logan Paul is this kind of um, super heel right now that this has been the best run Ricochet's been on uh, sans uh, Braun Strowman so yeah I feel like maybe we could get another match out of this uh, before Logan's contract ends and uh, we could push it towards um, push it towards the next PLE as well Thanks to be seen could be some cheating involved on Logan's end. Could be a triumphant babyface win from Ricochet. We'll see how it lands. Let us know down in the comment section who you think is going to be the winner of this match. Next match we'll look at here is the first of four main events. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Four main events. Are you kidding me? First of four, baby. On the Raw after WrestleMania 39, for unknown reasons, Brock Lesnar viciously attacked Cody Rhodes before both were set to participate in a tag team match against Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. The commentary team alluded to Brock being upset. He had to go on first on night two of WrestleMania while Cody went on last. This resulted in a match at Backlash, which saw Rhodes win. The rematch occurred at Night of Champions, 
which Lesnar won by way of making Rhodes pass out to the Kimura Lock submission. On the following episode of Raw, May 29th, the two men being tied 1-1, and the fact that Rhodes did not give up, Cody issues an open challenge to Lesnar for any time, anywhere. Lesnar returned on the July 3rd episode of Raw, where he brawled with Rhodes. The following week, July 17th, Cody challenged Lesnar to a third match at SummerSlam. After viciously attacking Cody, Lesnar accepted the challenge. Joker, we're getting a third match between Cody and Brock. Where are you at with this match? Uh, I mean, that's where my brain's at, is just complete static. Um, personally, as much as I love Cody Rhodes, um, and I watched the recent uh, American Nightmare documentary about Cody Rhodes and his, his rise from uh, undesirable to undeniable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the taglines, I loved it. Um, I am not a fan of this match. This is the third time we've seen this match, and I had the same annoyance that we were having three Seth freaking Rollins matches with him last year uh, prior to the uh, torn pectoral hell in the cell match. Um, I don't know. It felt like even Brock Lesnar had checked out whenever he attacked Cody Rhodes and couldn't string an actual promo together. Uh, and he was just like rambling and raging. This wasn't Cowboy Brock that I've come to love, who has been stupid and funny, but also aggressive and angry. This was incoherent beast Brock that had no reason for being. And Vince literally just went, hey, Brock, just, you know, before you go on your holidays, at, you know, at the, the end of summer, can you just have like a series with Cody? Because we need to push him and you're like a big deal. So that's where I'm at with this. Brock is the biggest deal um, outside of Roman Reigns right now um, because, you know, it's Brock freaking Lesnar. Uh, no relation to Seth freaking Rollins, but um, he is he's a, a huge deal in WWE. And to beat him and to have two wins over him will do great things for Cody on the march towards WrestleMania and redemption for him. Because um, it feels like that's the slow march towards finality for Roman Reigns as well. That's Cody's final... Um, hurdle to overcome uh and brock currently is the only other guy that that has that sort of aura about him um so yeah I, i'm kind of i understand the booking but it's 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 not great for me personally yeah, we talked about in previous episodes that it's one of those where this feels like Brock being a big deal and for somebody like Cody in a potential rebuilding stage after WrestleMania, we can have him try to slay a beast, a beast incarnate, if you will, and try to get some of that momentum back. So we ended up having him face once, twice. They're even now. Hey, let's go ahead and face. I need to uh, avenge that. I passed out, I didn't submit type of deal in the second match. Goes cold, all right, let's just have a match with Dom because Brock needs some time off. 
Uh, we can't afford him too much this year, but then he comes back. We have this match at SummerSlam scheduled. I did feel some vibage of more recently Cody obviously trying to give it socks and make the aspersions to I need to fight Brock and I need to get vengeance and things of such for my honor, for the fans, for my family, for Georgia, for the Nightmare Collective, everybody. And then Brock on that most recent go-home show, he's just like, yeah, like, I'm a champion. I'm a big deal. I need to have big situations. Cody, you're also a big deal. You need to fight me. Let's do this thing. It's interesting to note, at the time of recording, this is a standard singles match. There's no stipulation set forth. This will be a third regular singles matches between these three men. That being stated, I wholeheartedly see the referee just letting the action go for both men to fight on the outside, utilizing some weapons, although it's supposed to be a standard singles match. I feel like there'll be a little bit of leeway given just to make aspersions to it because this, this is supposed to be the blow-off and third and final match in the series. You have to go a little bit big. So even though this is a regular match, no stipulations, some things will be let loose. Hopefully this is the end of this chapter of this match. And we talked about it before. This could go on to add and fight him to both men trying to go back and forth, avenging losses against one another. But yeah, we'll see. Makes sense for Joker mentioned in a previous episode for Cody to go over since he's the full-time guy, but begs to be seen how this is going to play out. But I don't see this really going maybe more than 10 minutes, if that. Uh, yeah, um, as, a, as far as main events go, this is not a main event match. Um, but because of the names in there, they are warranted the main event spot. I would say, based on the, um, the name value alone, uh, this match has um, the most name value compared to the other three main events and therefore should be the main event but um there is one more match in there that has a little bit of a contest towards that as far as me anyway um i i don't know i I feel like there, there won't be any weapons or anything utilized in this match personally uh there might be a little bit of a hinting towards it um for for cody to to try and conquer the beast he needs a weapon and then he'll because he's the perennial good guy and he's the, the, the favorite, he is the John Cena in this, um, that he will overcome adversity under his own strength and he will defeat the Beast and the Beast will be vanquished until um, through a rumble season, at which point, you know, the Beast will have his revenge and eliminate Cody and then, you know, have a, have a good hearty laugh. Um, it would be, it would be, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility for WWE to just do that. Fair play. Have this match, go cold for a while, let Brock hibernate, have his time off, come back at the Rumble, eliminate Cody in the Rumble, set up the fourth match at Elimination Chamber to see who goes on to face Roman Reigns at uh, WrestleMania. So there you go. At which point you could have Brock Lesnar take on five other guys and then get beaten, pinned by Cody which would be hilarious. There you go. 
All right, so those were our takeaways from that. Let us know if you think Cody's going to come away with the victory or Brock is going to decimate the American Nightmare. Let us know down in the comments below. Second main event we're going to look at here, Asuka taking on Charlotte Flair and also taking on Bianca Belair in a triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship. At Night of Champions, Asuka defeated Bianca Belair to win the Raw Women's Championship on the June 9 episode of SmackDown to resolve the issue of the title being on SmackDown as a result of the 2023 WWE Draft. Asuka was presented with a new championship belt and the title reverted to its original name of WWE Women's Championship. Prior to the presentation, WWE official Adam Pearce asked Belair not to interrupt, stating that she was in line for a rematch. However, Charlotte Flair, in her first appearance since night one of WrestleMania 39, interrupted and challenged Asuka for the title. Asuka accepted, much to the dismay of Belair. The title match was scheduled for the June 30 episode of SmackDown. Bianca watched as a fan from ringside where Flair accidentally hit her. This infuriated Bianca, who attacked Asuka, ending the match in a disqualica disqualification win for Asuka. Afterwards, Belair laid out both Asuka and Flair. On the next episode of SmackDown July 7, a brawl between the three occurred, which also involved damage control. Bailey and women's Money in the Bank winner Io Sky, with an unsuccessful cash in attempt from Sky herself. The title match between Asuka and Belair was scheduled for the July 14 episode of SmackDown. And finally, before the match, Belair and Flair agreed that if Bianca won, she would defend the title against Charlotte at SummerSlam. During said match, however, Flair accidentally hit Belair after damage control once again tried to interfere. As a result of Flair's actions, Bianca won the match by disqualification, but not the title. Lastly, on July 21st, a triple threat match between Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte for the WWE Women's Championship was scheduled for SummerSlam. Joker, your impressions and thoughts on this match? Uh, I mean, it's one of those that um, we have three women's champions uh, and we have no idea what to do with them. Let's put them all in a match um, because Charlotte Flair came back from uh, from holidays, uh, which is the reason why this is a triple threat. It's a Charlotte Flair match um, and I'm unimpressed with how this got shoehorned into a triple threat because Charlotte Flair decides she needed to be in the uh need to be in the match. Not, you know, that's character work. You know, the character decides she needs to be in there. The fact that they've written this in, I don't know. I I I have um sort of mixed feelings about it. Um I wouldn't mind an Asuka versus Bianca Belair singles match with Asuka as champion, but we all know that um Bianca Cena um is unstoppable and would probably just win by herself uh so i feel like the charlotte flair and bianca belair mix here uh is added in to potentially keep asuka as champion 
so that we can get an eventual Ask EO uh, championship match, which is what everybody wants. We want to see the big sister chief gone, the little sister, um, in terms of uh, Asuka and EO. Um, and we could have Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair um, deal, with, uh, deal with their animosity. Um, outside in in a in a you know non-title match because that's the one thing I complained about an awful long time was we've had the title on Bianca, cool fair enough. I would like to see her have a run where she doesn't hold the title. Um, I mean John Cena did it for a couple of weeks at a time where he had didn't have the title. Um, so you know maybe she can go for I don't know eight weeks without the title. And that'll be grand for her. It'll develop her character, much like you know her mentor John Cena. Um, but this is Charlotte Flair we're talking about, so clearly she's going to win and she's going to be the new champion. Uh, I think that makes her 29 million uh, times reigning women's world champion or something like this here. But you know, um, and I mentioned earlier on that Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar had the, the most amount of name value to their uh, to their match. This is actually the only other match on this card that has equal or more amount of name value. Because you've got Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair, three former women's champions who are just absolute uh, fantastic competitors. So maybe this should actually be the solo main event. Because, you know, at least then we could give Charlotte Flair her uh, moment in the sun. This is an interesting matchup for sure. It was an illusion was made for Charlotte, of course, returning after her time away from WrestleMania. We saw Bianca take on Asuka at Mania, and then we saw the championship change at Night of Champions. So had we had a third Asuka and Bianca match at SummerSlam, I feel like the wrinkle of adding Charlotte... Because of the character herself, she just has time away, comes back at the coronation ceremony and just says, I don't make the line, I am the line, I challenge you, it doesn't matter, I'm the biggest women's wrestler that's ever been in the history of the world. And taking nothing away, Charlotte has been pushed as such, she works hard, she trains like a maniac, she's in top physical condition, she's one of the better wrestlers that WWE has, arguably one of the better women's wrestlers and or wrestlers themselves that the company and the wrestling world has at the moment so you can take nothing away from her accomplishments and the work that she puts in and those things so her pedigree speaks for itself and she's being pushed as such but the aspersions to having the charlotte bianca and oscar match itself adds a little bit of a wrinkle so we don't get that third one-on-one it can lead towards this going in multiple directions, Charlotte could potentially come away with the title, add a little bit of freshness, but we try to change up the matchups we have on SmackDown itself. Bianca has held the championship for quite a long time. There has been observations that her character maybe hasn't developed, much like you said, over the course of the last year, year and change. She's just the the Cena-esque, always winning, always overcoming the odds, doesn't matter type of win thing. So maybe that could play into a factor itself. Asuka, of course, much like I made a short before that was released, she's an incredible plug-and-play character. She's very versatile, a utility player of such. That notwithstanding, 
this is going to be just a fun match to highlight the women itself. Highly athletic and hard-hitting matchup itself. We have the extra adage of EO Sky looming over the match and potentially making aspersions to a cash-in, whether that's going to happen. So we'll see maybe who walks out of SummerSlam proper with the title. Either way, I think it'll be a, a nice kind of refreshing match to see. I think Charlotte will help add a different element to it in the triple threat. So we, ha we don't have that singles match, like I said. But yeah, this should be a fun one for sure. Yeah, it's, it is one of those that um, has potential uh, for, for sure. Um, I, I, I kind of just hope that Asuka retains. If we end up having Asuka retain, it would be good to then play up the whole uh, EO and Asuka thing, like you said, the uh, Triple Tails faction in Japan colliding once again. I want to see the promos between the two, whether that's in English or Japanese. I don't care. Both are awesome, engaging characters as well as fun promos to watch. You can have subtitles if you want, but yeah, I think it's just going to be a nice highlight for these three women and the added leverage of EO being in there. Just come out and make the deal, so uh, don't have to cash in, but just make aspersions to it. Yeah, it should be an uh, interesting one and fun to watch regardless. 100% agree. Yeah, so let us know down in the comments section below who you think may come out with the championship out of this match and who may leave SummerSlam as WWE Women's World Champion. Next matchup here, we're going to look at third main event on the show. Seth Rollins taking on Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight Championship. At Money in the Bank, Seth Rollins successfully defended the World Heavyweight Championship against Finn Balor after Balor's Judgment Day stablemate Damian Priest who had won the men's Money in the Bank ladder match earlier in the night, accidentally distracted Finn. The following episode of Raw, July 3rd, in a match between Rollins and Judgment Day's dirty Dominic Mysterio, Priest interfered with Rollins winning the match by disqualification. Priest then attempted to cash in his Money in the Bank contract, but Balor appeared and attacked Rollins, Costing Priest his opportunity, which caused some disagreements between Balor and Priest. The following week, July 10th, arguments between Balor and Priest continued, but later they both agreed that Finn would receive a title match first. Later that same episode, Judgment Day defeated Rollins' team alongside Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a six-man tag team match. Finally, on July 17 episode of Raw, Balor challenged Rollins to a rematch for the championship in a backstage, but Rollins declined, stating they could settle their differences that night without the title as their issues were not about the championship. As Balor was about to leave, he viciously attacked Rollins, and later a match between the two for the World Heavyweight Championship was scheduled for SummerSlam. Joker. This is a rematch, of course, from the Money in the Bank pay-per-view we had. What are your impressions on the second go-around for these two lads for the World Heavyweight Championship? Um, I kind of feel like it's somewhat similar to the first go-around at Money in the Bank. 
uh, not too long ago, only a month ago. Um, I'm not 100% uh, with the additional build. So between Money in the Bank and here, I'm like a little bit <clears throat> unimpressed with that build. Uh, but I'm not annoyed by the fact that we're getting a second Seth Finn match in the last month. Um, I know they've had you know way more matches than that in previous, but um, the you know in this iteration for the title, having Seth and Finn go again is is not terrible, especially considering the development of the Finn Balor character within the Judgment Day, him being the only one not to hold gold, the frustrations that entails. And his tenuous place, as it was, um, as it was sort of alluded to within the Judgment Day a few weeks ago, um, that has since kind of been forgotten. But um, it's still nice to think that that is a possibility. That uh, you know, if Finn doesn't win this match, then uh, is he really going to be in the uh, the Judgment Day for much longer? Uh, is mommy gonna let him survive? Uh, is the real question. Uh, plus, just these are two really good individual wrestlers, and the fact that Seth freaking Rollins prides himself currently on being a fighting champion in order to build this title up. Saying that, though, I feel like because of the length of the reign of this title and its infancy. With the new ideology behind the title reigns and people wanting them to be longer, um, I can see reasons for Seth holding on to this title um, for a while yet. However, he has had 17 or more title defenses since holding this title, which is actually a lot more than Asuka. Rhea and Roman, I believe, combined in the short period of time that they've held the titles. So, you know, this this man has been an absolute unit uh, since having this belt, and I feel like maybe now is the time to push that belt onwards in its lineage uh, and give it to Finn Balor to. Not so much ruin, but give it a heel run with a dominant faction that is the Judgment Day. Fair play. You know, this match is going to be quite interesting and intriguing. Like we had mentioned, this is the second match between the two of these lads on back to back pay per views over the title itself. The added element of it being a personal, well, at least on Finn's side, it being personal. And of course, Damian Priest, Money in the Bank contract holder, looming over the entire situation with him being in stablemate with Finn. A lot of added elements to being surrounded within this. We also talked about how after the match of Money in the Bank, we really didn't have allusions to a next challenger for Seth. So it made sense that we would run it back, especially with the little added element of Damian distracting Finn at the pay-per-view gives it credence and also Finn continuing to say that it's personal so I mean it made sense in the storyline made sense in kayfabe why we were running this back 
But you also mentioned that Seth has been defending the championship like crazy and putting in work to try to make this a strong representative title. We mentioned on a previous episode here of our show that Seth appeared on Logan Paul's impulsive podcast stating he was just banged up. He alluded to Seth potentially needing some time off somewhere down the line. Not saying this is an indication of who might win, but if Seth does win, I'd be interested to see who challenges Seth next after a Finn Balor situation, if indeed Seth retains. So it's one of those where I could potentially see it either going one way or the other, Seth retaining, continuing to defend, We'll see who the next challenger is or Finn having a another title reign under his belt. The added nature of now Judgment Day each having an accolade or championship continuing to be dominating. Finn also being pushed alongside within the faction being crazy, crazy pushed by WWE across now all the brands and all of WWE media. I could see this kind of swinging either way. I wouldn't be mad, honestly with whatever the outcome is but we'll see how things play out the pay-per-view yeah i'm not gonna be mad at the result um seth retains and pushes onwards uh i just feel like with senor money in the bank um being uh damian priest um it kind of keeps the judgment day in seth's uh rear view like really really close in his rear view uh, so I feel like in order to get the Judgment Day away from Seth, you give the title to Finn and bring people to the Judgment Day and stop having them chase it, but having, uh, you know, if you challenge for this title, I'm right here because I've got the briefcase um, and I'll just win it for the Judgment Day kind of deal. I feel like that's something that, that the writers will possibly uh, look at and go, well, that's a good defense mechanism that we've got to defend the title. Plus, it keeps the title on Finn for that maybe a little bit longer. So, Fair play. Could be something that the threat of Finn winning, and then also, like you said, well, if Finn happens to lose it, Damon cashes right back in and keeps it within the Judgment Day family. It'd be intriguing nonetheless. So we're thinking this is going to be fun to watch. Could be highly athletic, of course, and we'll see who comes out winning and walking out of SummerSlam with the World Heavyweight Championship. Let us know down in the comment section who you think is going to walk away from this match winning and maybe walk away the pay-per-view as World Heavyweight Champion. All right, the final match we're going to look at here, the fourth main event, Roman Reigns taking on Jey Uso in tribal combat for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and recognition as tribal chief. At Night of Champions during Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa's match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship, the Usos, Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso, interfered and unintentionally hit Sokoa. After Reigns shoved both Usos around, Jimmy attacked Reigns out of pent-up anger after weeks of disrespect from Roman, thus leaving the bloodline, which in turn cost Reigns and Sokoa the championship, allowing Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to retain. 
Jay would also leave the bloodline on the June 16 episode of SmackDown, where he attacked Reigns and Sokoa, choosing to stand by his brother Jimmy's side. This led to a Bloodline Civil War tag team match at Money in the Bank, where the Usos defeated Reigns and Sokoa, with Jay pinning Roman, which is the first time Reigns was pinned since TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, in December 2019. On the following SmackDown July 7, trial for Reigns was held. Reigns feigned not wanting to be the tribal chief any longer and hit Jay with a low blow. Jimmy then attacked Reigns until Sokoa tossed him away and then both Solo and Reigns brutally attacked him, resulting in Jimmy being taken to the hospital. Later that night, Jay viciously attacked Reigns and Sokoa with a steel chair before challenging Roman for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. The following week, July 14, Jay talked about his family's relationship with one another before being interrupted by Sokoa and Reigns' special counsel, Paul Heyman, who said that Reigns would meet Jay the following week to discuss the rules of engagement. There, it was agreed that Reigns would defend the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Jay in an anything-goes match called Tribal Combat where in addition to the championship, the winner would be recognized as the tribal chief of the Anawahi family. This goes back, of course, to the early days of Reign's Universal Championship reign, where he defeated Jay in a Hell in a Cell I Quit match in October 2020 and forced Jay to acknowledge him as the head of the table. Joker, a lot of history between these two men. Thoughts on the build? Thoughts on this match? And I, I have I have personally referenced that Hell in a Cell match multiple times on the show as the the sort of beginning and end of um of this whole bloodline uh family. Uh and I I like the the wording of the recognition of tribal chief of the Anawai family. Um for those of you that don't know, there is currently a uh uh, an actors guild strike going on meaning an awful lot of individuals are not working right now one such member of the sag uh sag guild is a screen actors guild is <clears throat> the rock who is a member of the anawati family and is currently not doing anything so i wonder what that man has to say about being the tribal chief of the anawati family hmm. the build has been pedestrian uh, as far as bloodline uh, information goes. Um, a lot of this stuff that we are doing is on again, off again, week by week, um, because you know Roman doesn't travel everywhere. Um, he is a family man and has a part-time contract as befitting the tribal chief. Um, so it, it's one of those that we have really stretch this out um and i don't know you know everybody but um we're going to be stretching this out for a while yet he is champion until wrestlemania i just want is to know so my my idea and this is you know certainly uh up for up for bs awards if you just want to want to try and hand that one out is we we will have Jay lose certainly, 
But then it will either be the rock coming in to uh to sort of, you know, shift gears. You're not you're not my tribal chief of the Anawai family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, blah 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 blah. Uh, and we build to a little bit of a a side, you know, side scuffle with the rock eventually losing um at possibly the Royal Rumble. He's not they're not striking until WrestleMania. I just don't think that's gonna happen. So he'll be back into work soon enough. But then we could also have Bobby Lashers and the Street Profits, who are on SmackDown, by the way, potentially build up themselves as a bit of a faction as we they have been alluding to, and could, in the time that Roman is uh, off TV for a while because, you know, temporary contract, they could build themselves as a, uh, as a new faction, as a bit of a threat. And then Bobby could challenge Roman at, you know, whatever whatever pay-per-view before the Rumble that they decide that they want to do. Um, because, you know, I don't think Roman is actually scheduled for any of the remaining pay-per-views this year, um, nor is there a plan for him to uh, be scheduled. But that is something that could happen. We could have a Bobby Lashers versus Roman match, which I would love to see. Um, but yeah, the build for this match is not as interesting as what could happen afterwards, which is why I have rambled about other things beyond this match. Because the match itself is probably the most interesting thing, with it being a no-holds-barred match. There likely will be interruptions. And we'll have the spear and thumb spike finisher through a table, probably. Um, but you know, it, it's just not interesting as interesting as anything that will come. A lot of interesting points you brought up. The first of which, Rock the Dwayne Johnson. Of course, there's a writer strike and an actor strike currently going on in Hollywood. With The Rock, of course, being an actor there, made a really substantial donation to the relief fund for the actors as well. So just getting really good karma points. Rock just being uh, an overall good brother. But whether or not he is actually like allowed to appear on a wrestling show, whether that's an entertainment thing or whether that's not, could be up for grabs. But, you know, if it's something that could be a possibility... You know, maybe the music hits and he just kind of comes in because, of course, this is going to be a Roman Reigns match in the recent run. Always have to have interference, always have to have ref bumps, always have to have folks helping him out in terms of the tribal chief uh, formation and uh, gimmick that he's in. So could be some shenanigans going on. There's definitely guaranteed to be shenanigans, interference ref bumps this is an anything goes kind of no disqualification type match so of course you're gonna have things like that so lots of uh, gaga and stuff going to happen there but you definitely alluded to a notion there i pulled a quote from a sportster article here regarding the upcoming ple's and pay-per-views uh for the rest of 2023 so here, quote, WWE has already announced most, if not all, of its premium live event plans through the end of 2023. Payback on September 2nd, Fastlane on October 7th, Survivor Series on November 25th. 
As it stands, Reigns is suspiciously absent from the advertising for all of those events. That's got some fans thinking that his reign will come to an end at the hands of Jay at SummerSlam. SummerSlam, of course, will be the first time Reigns has defended his title in a televised match since WrestleMania, likely to make his defenses feel like a big deal, but also potentially because WWE may not have had Reigns locked down for PLE appearances between now and then. Finally, from that article, there's also Crown Jewel nested between Fastlane and Survivor Series, a show on which Reigns is advertised to appear. Probably because the Saudi Arabian contingent, WWE has a deal with wouldn't be all that pleased if the Travel Chief wasn't going to be on that card. End quote. So, all things considered, doesn't necessarily bode that Jay is going to defeat Roman, of course. Posters are made well ahead of time, and always uh, the old asterisk there, card is subject to change, brother. So what is advertised may not end up going through through various means, whether that's actually planned or plan or not, because of some things happen, of course, injuries or things get sick. Be that as it may, we know for sure there's going to be interference. We know there's going to be ref bumps. Solo's going to come in and again there makes it seem like Jimmy is going to make his triumphant return to help his brother Jay. But really, at the end of the day, my final thoughts on this match is. I don't know if WWE has an idea of who's going to defeat Roman. We had aspersions to a possible Drew at Clash of the Castle. Maybe that made sense for him in the UK. We had Sami Zayn wind down and have that match in Montreal Elimination Chamber. If not him, then okay. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble, came back from injury, built up, finished the story, chose not to pull the trigger. Jay now... All of the bloodline storyline from like the past two and a half to three years now. If Jay's not the one, okay, then we continue. So it's one of those where it's more than likely Roman is going to retain. But I think the story really plays as a sub factor of this. Then how does this thing end? How do how do we figure out a plan? to transition Reigns out of the championship onto the next champion. I think, with all due respect, is probably what we're trying to figure out at this point. Right. Well, you know, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things here, PT. April, May, June, July, four months, right? That's four months without him defending the title. Like, technically. So what is September, October, November, December? It's just another four months. Who cares? He's just, it doesn't matter that he's not going to do anything with the title because we've already had four and a bit months of him not doing anything with the title. It shouldn't surprise anyone. And I don't think that this is indicative of Jay winning the title, although I will, you know, the fan side of me will not cast that away just yet. but. You know, I am pretty sure they just kind of want to keep the title on Roman. The other thing is that a couple of weeks ago, whenever this whole hoopla kicked off with Jay and Roman, Solo decided he wanted to try and hit the Samoan spike on Jay, but Roman stopped him because this was tribal combat. This was something 
that was sacred to you know it's led on to be sacred to them there is no interference this is a one-on-one this is man versus man for recognition and respect solo will interrupt this match thus sullying the match in the eyes of those involved we have built the bloodline up meticulously and we have broken bits of it off we have added in the usos to begin with we then brought in sami Zayn and solo sokoa we have since gotten rid of sami Zayn. we have gotten rid of the usos now the only thing that remains to get rid of is solo sokoa and how do we get rid of him we cast doubts about how much he cares about the universal champion roman reigns his tribal chief because we have been given these side eyes towards the lay um towards the um towards the championship um so it's 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 those things that you side eye kind of goes to is like hmm we're casting the doubt against solo now so how do we continue the bloodline well we do what we always do we continue on without roman reigns he will interrupt jay will be peeved off and the next couple of ple's slash pay-per-views uh slash smackdowns will possibly just have jay uso versus solo sokoa and i'll end in solo losing you know, possibly you know We'll have a trilogy of these matches and it'll end in solo, eventually losing two to one to his brother. And you know, look, we've we've gone three PLEs without Roman Reigns, everybody, but the bloodline's still there. So they they have so many different things to do uh with this, but yeah, I don't see Roman losing at a SummerSlam that doesn't seem to be as you know. You know, we were talking about at the start of the show, as big as they once were. Roman's been featured on some TVs, been featured on PLEs or pay-per-views and in tag team matches, but the notion of him defending his championship has just been an afterthought or not even thought of, really. So he's been making some towns, but we ain't coming near that championship, brother. So it is what it is. We know for sure. Like we reiterated, there'll be interference. It'll be a fun match to watch, and you know there'll be some story in it. But by all likelihood, and this doesn't mean any disrespect to Jay. Love me some Jay Uso. We're big fans on the channel. Check out some of the shorts that we had as well. But this is really a Roman continuing on. However, we get there. It's one of those things we probably know the finish. How the journey we get there is going to be quite intriguing. How we get to that finish line, but. Yeah, it begs to be seen how we're going to continue on to the next of the next couple months, the next PLEs, the next pay-per-views. Like we talked about before, it's more than likely going to be a an appearance at the Saudi show and then into the Royal Rumble season is most likely what's going to happen more often than not and how we figure out setting up Roman's match at WrestleMania. So yeah, this will be quite intriguing, but yeah, it's going to be most likely a Roman Reigns tainted victory to set up his next path at a throwaway match at the Saudi show. 
and then the build to WrestleMania to figure out his opponent there. So more than likely, that's the outcome. Let us know what your thoughts are, how this is going to play out, and if you think Jay or Roman is going to win, and if Roman is winning, who his next challenger might end up being. All right. Appreciate the folks hanging in tough and putting together the build for WWE SummerSlam. We figured out is eight main events. Actually, only four advertised main events, but eight huge main event matches for this show. Joker, it's going to be quite the summer spectacular. I mean, that, that Slim Jim main event is just tickling me. I really can't wait to watch that main event. Um, maybe even the Ricochet Logan Paul main event. You know, that might be an absolute barn burner that is worthy of main events. Like, they have a show called main event where every match on there is the main event why do we need four main events pt make it make sense buddy it just i just don't know wwe is the biggest wrestling company in the world at least in wwe's eyes whether that's real or not on a show the second biggest one of course behind wrestlemania Eight main events, or actually advertised main events, but eight main events nonetheless on your card. You're going to get people in the arena. You're going to get people watching. Why not have eight main events on a show? Why not? It just makes the most sense for advertisers. Love to see it. They're going to throw their money. Why we're getting the old Slim Jim Battle Royale, the historic, well thought out, most excited to match on the card. You know, with the the history of the Slim Jim Battle Royale at SummerSlam, I mean, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, such delicious and and long thought out uh, history there. But I'm reminded of Syndrome from the classic movie The Incredibles. When everyone is super, no one is. So when everything's a main event, none of them are. There you go. Incredibles OSW review us letting you know that. All of main events, a.k.a. no main events. Also, as a reminder, hashtag not sponsored by Slim Jim. Appreciate everybody listening. There you are. There is the build. Everything you need to know. Some illusions, some insights from us to set you up to get prepared to watch SummerSlam. We're going to wind down on out of here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. So, for TF Joker. Hashtag sponsor us, Slim Jim. Love to get those meaty products. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time. Let this be your part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself. Be good to each other. We will catch you next time. Peace.